Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. And I just want to personally thank the Houston Astros for cooperating this week. You know, I didn't I didn't know what to expect. And now they got to face the little MVPs who all of a sudden, little, little MVPs have been playing well. Look, I've been as critical of them as anyone, but they in recent weeks have, have impressed me. Like they, you know, their season's been over for a long time, but they, um, they hung in there. They pitched well. Um, I'm not so sure. It's it's funny. Like they've been pitching really well, and it, the Astros open up a three game series tomorrow. I'm not so sure of the the Angels, the little MVPs, don't have the pitching advantage, and the Astros have, you know, one of the best pitching staffs, if not the best, from top to bottom in in baseball this season. So it's uh it's kind of crazy what the little MVPs have been able to do, and I'm sure. All the little elitist Yankee fans um, said, well, we're going to be going out west and we're going to, you know, the Astros get to play against the A's and the Angels and, you know, get some wins there. And get and it, 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 that, that going out west thing is not all it's cracked up to be. I've been telling you all that for decades. It's now the Astros, to their credit, have done a good job with that in recent years. But it, it, it's not fun to make West Coast trip after West Coast trip. And, you know, the Yankees have to make one or two a year, and, and they don't normally do that well. And they got their faces crushed by the A's and the little MVPs. And it, it's just not as easy as it looks. It's easy to talk trash and say, well, those teams aren't any good. And the Astros get, okay, go, you, you, you go do make all these West Coast trips all, all the time. See how much fun it is. So, um, anyway, we'll see what happens. The The Yankees have six games left with the Rays. The Yankees are very, very fortunate that Josh Donaldson hit that grand slam. If, um, if uh, a couple weeks ago the Rays are playing the Yankees, the Rays are up three, scored three in the top of the 10th, and Josh Donaldson hits a game-winning grand slam in the bottom of the 10th. And had he not done that, the Rays would be up, would be down four right now with 30-something games left, with six games left against the the Yankees. Now, to the Yankees' credit, or to for the Yankees' side, McClanahan's on the, they've been the Rays' best pitcher all year, and he's on the I.L., so he probably won't pitch one. I think he'll be on the I.L. for both of those series. So they won't have to face that Rays' best pitcher, but we'll see uh, We'll see how that goes. As long as the Yankees – if the Yankees can win three, obviously that'd be tremendous for them. But even if they win two, they still have a little bit of a lead. But even if they – you know, if, if they only go two and four, I think it's still possible the way the Rays have been playing, but we'll see. A lot of baseball to be to, to be played, lots and lots. But, no, thank you 
to the Astros. Altuve had another good day yesterday. Man, I you know, I thought he'd have a pretty good season, but he he's having a better season than I anticipated that he would have. I got to give him credit. Again, we were talking about it during the break. He drives me crazy sometimes because he'll just, out of the blue, just, well, I think I'll just try to get an extra base and get thrown out by a mile. I mean, he just does dumb junk sometimes. Crazy stuff. But, um, but no, he's really getting a lot of extra bases. He's even gotten... He's gotten two doubles to the right of second base in the last couple of days. He, didn't, he hadn't been getting too many hits to the right of second base the last year or so, but he uh, he used to do that a lot. But uh, he's starting to hit the right field some even. That is great to see. I mean, that is great to see. And, uh, no, I'm, I want to commend Altuve for how well he, he's done. Um, Again, the game hotline is 706-0111. 7060111. This segment is a good time to to call, but there won't be a lot of time to call today. Um, um, well, mo- it'll be mostly interviews the entire two hours of today's edition of Footnotes, and we're going to be speaking with Luke Johnson of theadvocateandnola.com. Lots of things to get straight in my mind with Luke about having to do with the Saints. Folks, a week, we're getting closer. A week from today, the first NFL regular season football game will be played. A week from today. So it is definitely getting closer. Uh, so that means a week and a half for, for, for the Saints before they open the season against the Falcons. And, um, Lot you know I I you know some decisions left to be made I think not a lot but a few and we'll um got lots to discuss with Luke for sure um, as we you know you have we had the bombshell trade with Chauncey Garner Johnson and I'm sure that will be the number one priority in getting his feelings on all that and much much more again the game hotline don't have you know the first the first segment of each hour be about the only time that we'll have today to call. We'll be talking with the guru and some high school football. High school football action actually gets started tonight. There will be four teams. Well, more than four teams. Four games involving the Cadiana area teams playing, opening up their season tonight. The Southside Sharks um, is one of them. And Southside will be playing, um, you can hear that on uh, sister station Mustang 1071, and they will be playing the Notre Dame Pios at Cecilia, seeking an artificial turf field, and they found one. Uh, and they will be playing at Cecilia tonight. Uh, the Beauchene Gators will be playing the Rain Wolves. That's where I plan on being tonight uh, in rain to to cover that game. And hopefully it's not going to rain. From what I understand, it's not going to rain tonight. It's tomorrow that we're going to have a rain problem. The Northside Vikings open up their season tonight at home against the Northwest Raiders. So that'll be an interesting contest. You know, when you're, when you're Northside and you're in that brutal district, just brutal and I've written columns and said it on the air. I mean, it's just it's shame. I'll say it again: shame on the LHSA that Northside High is in that district. But um, the um, they will play Northwest, and Northwest is a 
solid, been a solid AAA team for quite a while. Northwest is moving to the wing T. Kurt Ware, former co- head coach at Rain, and most recently at New Iberia with Roots and Eunice. Um, he brought the wing T. He's bringing the wing T to Northwest, and he's the offensive coordinator there this year. And uh, so that'll be very interesting to see how that plays out, how long it takes him to to kind of get adept at that and um, at that running offense. And they're going to be um, it, it'll. So we'll see what happens tonight in that game against and Lafayette highs on the road against HL Bourgeois. So we got some teams in the Cadiana area starting tonight again here locally with Southside opening up its season against Notre Dame. And again, that game will be played at Cecilia High School and can be heard right here on Mustang 1071 with Stevie P and Matt Miguez. Very, very. Um, it'll be fun to see how, how their season goes. I, I We've spoken. We interviewed Coach Fontenot last week. Sounds like you know, they they made a big transition on offense last year, going to the flex bone, and they had their growing pains, and they're still learning it. But they've got a lot of good players. They got running backs, quarterback is back, so they've got a lot of a lot of reason to believe the offense is going to be a little further along. And then this year, they're changing things on defense, and so we'll see how that plays out uh, for for the Sharks. Uh, Cajun depth chart was released yesterday, and um, according to the depth chart, the new kicker as of now is Preston Stafford. He is an LSU transfer, and I'm sure I probably saw him in a game and forgot because I've covered quite a few St. Thomas More Catholic of uh, Baton Rouge games over the years, so I'm sure he kicked in that game, and I just you know don't have a particular memory of of him, but I'm I'm, I'm pretty sure I probably. Covered a game that he was kicking for Catholic high end. But anyway, he uh, ended up winning the job. And again, I don't know. I think that's more of a fluid situation, as they say, than the quarterback situation. And and the reason why I say that is because Preston still is not kicked in a game. So, you know, Coach Dez mentioned that yesterday, kind of like he's going to go in and he's won the job for now, but he's still got to prove that when the lights are on, he can make kicks. He proved it in practice. Now he's got to better prove it in the game. And if he doesn't, then, you know, he might not have the job for long, but we'll see. So hopefully um, the Cajuns can get good at kicking because they, you know, you, 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 you'll want to. Uh, other, I don't know, a uh, couple things, a little bit of a surprise and, I'm not a big starter guy, I got to tell y'all. You know, if a guy, on positions where you have rotations and, you know, like the defensive line, they're constantly rotating those guys. So who starts and who comes in, you know, in the second series? To me, it's not a ginormous difference. Now, there are times when, like, Zion Hills played you know, 80 plays in a game. So he he's different than everybody else. But with all that said, redshirt freshman Jordan Lawson is is number one on the depth chart. And uh, Zion w- was praising him last week in a press conference. And so a lot, of, a lot of reason to be excited there. The defensive line seems to have really good depth. And we'll see how um, 
how, how that plays out. But uh, no, they're very excited about Jordan Lawson and and then you know David Hudson came back. He went through Senior Day last year on the final home game, and and then Coach Des talked him back, and he's listed as the starting center, and Jack Jax Harrington is listed as the starting a uh, starting guard. So we'll see. And again, they're going to be rotating a lot. Probably you know not you don't rotate your offensive line as much as your defensive line, but. They're going to be doing a fair amount of, of rotating as well. He did mention that Trey Amos, cornerback, will not be playing. He suffered an injury in camp. Um, and so they're going to just be extra sure that he's ready before they bring him back. So he did mention that Eric could maybe go to his side, the boundary side of the cornerback a little more. And uh, Caleb Anderson, who the Cajuns were very high on when they signed a high school quarterback, they move to cornerback, and we'll see how he does. All right, so we'll have we comment on that a little bit more later in the show, and a lot more tomorrow when we preview a little bit more the Cajun season opener against Southeast. And for now, we'll take a timeout. When we come back, have our conversation with Luke Johnson about the New Orleans Saints. Lots of questions. Luke normally calms me down a little bit. We'll see if he can do that again. We'll be back on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Are you fluent in Footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. Casper the Quitter. Casper the Quitter. Now, the former New Orleans Saints longtime head coach who quit on the team after a tough season. Also known as Sean Payton. Now back to the man with his very own language. Kevin Foote and Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Before we get to our special guest, Luke Johnson, want to remind you about the ultimate tailgate giveaway. If you would like to win $500 chopped specialty meats, a new grill with accessories, a cooler, a set of chairs, a $500 Visa gift card, tickets to Cajun games, tickets to LSU Tiger games, and more, you need to enter the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. And if you do, you could win the ultimate tailgate giveaway powered by St. Landry Lumber, Austin Outdoors, and the game. All right. The man, when we just first communicated about him doing this um, coming on and trying to calm me down today, he didn't realize that Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, or maybe he did, was going to get traded. So things have changed. How are you, sir? Uh, I'm doing great. Uh, I don't know if I if I knew it was going to happen for sure, but um, I don't I don't think I was necessarily surprised when it did. Okay, so I think you just answered my very first question, which is, do are you totally buying the narrative that you know the play in? Um, I mean the hold in stuff, and that you know they didn't trust that he was going to be given a hundred percent through for the whole season, and so they felt like they had to move on. Yeah, I mean, I buy that. Um, you know, I, I think, look, he's obviously a very popular player, right? Um, yeah, I think uh, his his style on the field really vibed with a lot of people here in, in 
South Louisiana in particular. Um, but, you know, I, I think from a, from a team perspective, um, yeah, I think they looked at it. They're like, we've got, we've got a guy who's not happy. He's not going to take what we're offering him. We don't think he's worth what he's asking. Um, and we have a couple of good players behind him who, you know, they, they think that the drop off, if there's going to be any, is not going to be, is not going to be, you know, so substantial as to have to deal with the headache of having, you know, a player of, of uh, CJ Gardner Johnson's personality, um, uh, you know, dealing with that, that contract uh, the way he was kind of in training camp all season. Um, so, you know, I, I think while the, the, the very rapid reaction to that is they, they immediately get worse. I don't necessarily think they did um, when, when you don't have to, you don't have to then deal with the, just the, the distraction that that was already becoming um, in, in a locker room for a player that you're probably not going to be able to retain next year. And you really don't know. You know I've had people bringing up the compensatory pick thing to me, um, but you know, you just, you have no idea how that's going to actually play out. Maybe you get a third form, but if you sign somebody else next year, then that it cancels it out and you get nothing, you know? It's so, um, you know, it, I think they ended up doing what they felt they had to do. Um, and I, I don't think they are regretting the decision on, on from the franchise end. Um, I struggle. You know, people call him a slot cover corner, but to me, that's not what Chauncey Garner Johnson was. And you and I have talked about it before. Like, it would not surprise me at all whether it's Roby or Taylor or PJ that they don't lose anything if not in some at some in some situations actually gain in terms of cover corner skills it's more to me he's more like like the Cajuns play have a star position he's not a slot cover corner to me he's like a rover hybrid whatever word star whatever I'm more worried about their ability to defend the run as good without him than I am covering people yeah, I agree with that. Um, yeah, I, I think he was you know, at, at times he was a liability in coverage. Um, and Chris Godwin roasted him repeatedly last year. You know, um, yeah, I, I think when whenever he was put in a position where he was he was on an island against a better you know, one of the better receivers on the team. Um, yeah, I don't I don't think he was he was necessarily the guy you wanted in that situation, but. You know, like you're saying, he he had a, a very diverse skill set. He was almost like a he's almost like a small linebacker on the field, right? So you could trust him. You could trust him to cover tight ends and and a, like a good number of of receivers, and you could trust him to stick his nose in there in the run game and make plays behind the line of scrimmage. I'm, like he's, I'm not saying he's a bad player. You know, I, I definitely think that they, that there was value that he brought to the team, and there's going to be some aspects that uh, that they miss with not having them there, uh, for sure. But, it, you know, I, I agree with you when, yeah, I, I don't think they're going to be any worse when it comes to coverage. Um, yeah, I think Bradley Roby is an upgrade there. Um, and, you know, if they really start to feel that their their run-stopping ability is, is taking a hit without them in there, they can throw P.J. Williams in there, who, you know, I think people forget is a very, very good run defender uh, as a defensive back. So, like, I, I really just, you know, if they didn't have 
three guys there who I was pretty confident could step in and play the position that I'd, I'd be wondering what the, what the hell they were doing. But, um, yeah, they're, they're very deep there. Um, no, and, absolutely. Uh, and I, you don't have to deal with the with the craziness of the the contract and and everything that came with it. No, I get it. And again, for me, I get everything that you just said and what people have said. For me, it was more like uh, you know after the la- all last year, it was just every time anybody mentioned the Saints, it was bombshell bad news after bombshell bad news. And it's like we had a few injuries, but for the most part, this summer's been. Pretty positive news, and then boom, bombshell bad news. It, it was just, anyway, it might turn out to be great. I totally get it. All right, so a week and a half, are, are they, in your mind, if you had to predict, are the Saints going to have a new tackle option and or a new running back option by the season opener? Are they pretty much in those areas going to go with what they have? Um, I'm going to say for now that I think they're they're set in those areas. I think they're going to go with what they have. They have four tackles on the roster, not including Trevor Penning right now. Um, I know they're they're pretty comfortable with uh, with what they've got in uh, in Landon Young, got kind of serving as the top backup for both Ramchick and James Hurst. Um, I, I, assuming Trevor Penning is going to go on IR at some point this week. Um, so I'd kind of be surprised there. Um, I thought Mark Ingram, you know, was a guy we talked about going into training camp as maybe being like a camp, uh, like a, a, you know, casualty at the end of uh, roster cuts. Uh, I think he's actually been really, really solid. Um, and, uh, and they've gotten some nice production out of, uh, out of Tony Jones and, um, and Dwayne Washington, who was released yesterday, but I would expect to be back. Um, so yeah, the, the one thing that's given me pause there is I, there were a lot of really good running backs who were cut or at least guys with, with you know, name recognition. Right. Um, you know, so I guess it wouldn't surprise me to see him bring somebody in and may, maybe like put them on the practice squad, use one of their veteran spots on, um, you know, any number of these guys, you know, there were guys like Tevin Coleman, um, and, uh, you know, Marlon Mack, I think Marlon Mack went back with Houston on, on their practice squad. But you know, a lot of guys who, who you've heard of before, you know, who, who wouldn't wouldn't really hurt to kick the tires on them. Um, but, you know, I think they're they're looking pretty okay at those positions right now, in, in my opinion. So I, I don't know if they'd be bringing anybody in who's really going to be you know, really, like, serving a big role or playing – so, right so, so you're that confident that Hurst is healthy and ready to go, and there you're that confident that Landy Young can be what Hurst was last year. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think they'll be fine um, at, at offensive tackle. You know, it, barring something happening between now and then. Um, but you know, obviously they'd rather have Trevor Penning in that role than Landon Young. Um, but you know, I think yeah, you know, especially when it comes to um, when it comes to that kind of jumbo package where, where you got six offensive linemen on the field, I think that probably suits Landon Young's strengths. Um, he's a big guy. He's like six, seven, three thirty. 30. <laughs> um, he can, he can give you some, some road greater ability out there when you need it. Um, so, um, yeah, totally comfortable with him in that role. Um, the, the only, the only question is, um, 
you know, if, if one of those starters gets hurt, then then the depth behind those guys looks pretty pretty thin. And but you know, that's it's about as good as you can do when you're, when you're talking about NFL depth. Yeah, they're 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 already one out there, and if, if you're talking about two more going out, it's like yeah, any team is going to be kind of screwed in that situation. All right, so is it? Are you? Pinning was 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 going to be the backup. Are you convinced that Hurst was going to start the season as a yeah, starter? Yeah, I was pretty convinced. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it, they, look, they, they really really like Trevor Penning. They think he's going to be very very good. Um, but he's just you know it's it's pretty clear that he's just got some work to do. You know, it, he's making a really really big jump from uh, from Northern Iowa to the NFL, and he was at a place where he could just physically dominate everybody and didn't really have to worry about technique and that's just not the case in the nfl um so you you see it standing out as a as a run blocker you know although those physical traits and and the you know mentality with which he plays the games you see that stuff stand out when he's when he's in that in that phase of the game and he's really really good there already but i just don't think that he's where he needs to be as a pass blocker especially you know, once you put him up against some of the the better rush ends, you know, you, I don't think you want him going up against Nick Bosa right now. You know, right. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I, I think he would have been he would have been starting the season as a six offensive lineman and, and eventually taking over that starting left tackle role. I just um, all I, right. I think Hurst is more steady at this spot right now. Uh, uh, that makes sense. I was just w- a little worried about his health, but all right. So I had heard early on some talk anyway. I didn't know what was true or not that. Under Carmichael, without Casper being there, that they were going to not be so jumbo heavy, and yet they keep four tight ends and a fullback. So, was that perception wrong, or did that surprise you at all? Uh, no, I, I mean, you know, I think the fullback is just kind of like a, it's just a staple of what they do. You know, I don't think that's even necessarily something that's just just in their jumbo package. I think they just. Um, yeah, they like having that that option there, um, and then when you look at their tight ends, um, you know one of them is really like a glorified receiver in Juwan Johnson. And he's going to be their their move tight end. They're going to split him out wide and and just really take advantage of his his big body and his his athleticism as a receiver. And then um, you know another one is Taysom Hill, who he, he technically counts as a tight end, but you know we all know that he does a lot of different things. Um, so, yeah, I think that that is less a sign that they're going to be, you know, playing a lot of like twenty-one personnel or or whatever, or you know, twenty-two personnel even, or um, you know, it, playing with a, a ton of tight ends on the field, jumbo packages. I, I think they're just they're all guys who kind of give give you different things and different they bring different things to the table, and really, they've got two true tight ends on the roster in Adam Troutman and, and Nick Vanette. And both of those guys play different types of roles too. Um, so really, I think kind of across the board, they just kept a lot of skill position players. And I think that's because they had a lot of guys they really liked, you know, six receivers and four tight ends and um, you know, four running backs. Uh, yeah, I, I think they, they just, that was kind of really emblematic of, of those guys being, being guys they think can help the team. So it, do you think that, to, like, one of the things I think is going to be the most interesting to watch as the, in the first month of the season is what they do on third and one and fourth and one and third and two compared to how they've done it 
in, in, in recent years. So do you think Taysom's still going to have that dominant role in those situations? Or are they going to be more of a th- throwing to get those first downs kind of a team, you think? No, I, I mean, I'd be surprised if they, if they you know, went to you know, put the ball in the air a lot on third and one. I think Taysom's still going to have a really big role as a as a short yardage guy on the team. Um, yeah, I guess it still remains to be seen how big. Um, you know that that package is absolutely still in the Saints' offense, and it's it's still something he's going to be doing. Um, and I think we can still expect to see, you know, even though his position now says tight end next to his name on the roster, I think we can still expect to see him moving around the field a lot um, and playing. You know, in in the slot and in the backfield and lining up under center and running the quarterback power and the read option and all that stuff. Um, you know, it, and and especially in short yardage goal line situations. I mean, those are those are areas where he's kind of excelled in the past. Um, so yeah, yeah, I'd expect to see a lot more of that. Um, and yeah, I'd, I'd be surprised if um, if they'd be you know like a shotgun formation or or even you know under center and and spend a lot of time their time throwing in third and short situations it's just you know Pete Carmichael is he came up in that Sean Payton system and I I don't think it's going to be drastically different all right before we get to a timeout um you know we've heard here and there about Troutman he's made some progress do you think I think the last two years have been so dysfunctional. It's hard to be overly critical of him, although he's been disappointing at times, no question. It seems like this is it. Um, you know, the, you know, it's it's put up or shut up for Troutman. And do you feel like he he's going to get it done? I mean, from what you've seen. Yeah. Well, first of all, I, I 100% agree that it's put up or shut up time for him. Um, you know, and that's obviously just more in you know. It's just kind of the, the phrase there. I, I don't think he's been talking, making all these excuses or right, whatever. Right, right. Um, but yeah, it, I mean, last year was incredibly disappointing. I, I think he was really, he was really solid in like a small role as a rookie, and that's why everybody was so exciting and very excited for him last year. And then, you know, it was what it was. He had too many drops. He had almost no production. You know, he had a couple fumbles. He had some penalties, some big penalties that took away big plays. Um, you know, it was bad every which way last year. Um, but, you know, I think one of the things I remember about last year was, was you could kind of, you could get a sense throughout training camp that he just wasn't like, he wasn't there. You know, it was, it was like, he, he wasn't making any impact plays. Uh, and you just kept waiting for him to do something and he never did. And then that carried over into the season. And, uh, in this training camp, I think it's been a completely different story. He's just, he's looked locked in, um, He's been making plays when when they've been coming his way in practice. Uh, yeah, I don't think that means he's going to have you know sixty catches for eight hundred yards and eight touchdowns and be like one of the the best you know receiving tight ends in the NFL. Um, but I do think he's going to add an element to this offense that's just missing last year. Um, and you know they're not going to have to rely on him to be this big target guy, but there's going to be a lot of space on that field when defenses have to account for Michael Thomas and Chris Olave and Jarvis Landry and Alvin Kamara. There's going to be a lot of people forgetting about Adam Troutman, and I think he's going to make people kind of regret that. Um, so, yeah, I, I think he's I think he's in line for a big year, and if and if he doesn't produce, then, yeah, I think it's it's clearly time for the Saints to, to start looking elsewhere. But I, I don't think that's going to be an issue for him. All right, we'll take a timeout. We'll come back. Got plenty more to ask Luke about. 
As always, we appreciate Luke being on from theadvocateandnola.com. We'll take a timeout, come back, talk more Saints with Luke Johnson next on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You can call in and say Pete Rose deserves to be in the Baseball Hall of Fame. You can call and proclaim that the Houston Astros were the only team that stole signs. Just know this. Foot will disagree with you. Call into Footnotes with Kevin Foot at 337-706-0111. Back to more Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. If you kind of wish you had tickets for LSU's game against Florida State and don't really want to stay at home and watch it yourself, we've got the solution for you. You need to go to Twin Peaks on Johnson Street from 6 to 8 on Sunday. LSU Watch Party. Matt Miguez from Crunch Time will be there. You'll be able to have cold beverages, burgers, and hang out and watch LSU and talk sports. The game's LSU Watch Party at Twin Peaks on Johnson Street. Sunday night from 6 to 8. All right, we have with us Luke Johnson of theadvocateandnola.com. Injuries. I guess one of the big advantages of this two-week break is is injuries. And so the guys I'm worried about are Pete Werner. Uh, Obviously, Michael Thomas has been a concern for a long time, uh, who we call Plastic Man on this show. Davenport, who we've worried about his injuries a long time, and most recently, Malcolm Roach. So what does it look like for those guys? I, w- I would include Paulson Adebo on there, too. Um, yeah, he hasn't been uh, he hasn't been practicing lately. Um, and, you know, I'll just I'll start with him. Um, so Adebo is uh, – um, he said yesterday, yesterday to reporters he's dealing with a sprained left ankle. Um, you know, he has been – working on it and he's pretty confident he'll be able to play in week one, but that's something that's kind of that bears watching. Um, the first injury report will come out on Wednesday of next week. Uh, so we'll be paying very close attention there. Um, see if he practices and if he plays. Um, yeah, I think that's, that's a really important one, even though they, they feel comfortable with the depth in their secondary. Um, you know, Adibo's had such a great training camp that um, you'd really want him out there in week one. Uh, Michael Thomas, um, you know, our, our columnist Jeff Duncan reported today that things are, are on track for him. Um, he should be good to go in week one. We haven't seen him since uh, they were having joint practices up in Green Bay. Um, but I know he's been around the facility um, and uh, you know, getting himself ready there uh, from his hamstring injury. So I would expect we'll see him back out of practice next week. Uh, Davenport looks like he's on track. Um I can't even, you know, I can't recall if he played in, in the preseason finale, um, but he's been out there full go in, in team drills. Um, looks like he's he's back in football shape. Um, he lost a little bit of weight. So, uh, yeah, I would expect him to be out there. Um, Malcolm Roach, um, we haven't seen him since he got hurt in the game the other day. I think he might be a, a potential guy who goes on uh, who goes on IR which would not be great for the Saints because I don't think they are especially deep at defensive tackle. Um, is that why they signed Christian Ringo to the practice squad? You think? Yeah, it would, would not be would not be a surprise. Yeah, uh, I think they've got three guys there they feel they can count on right now um, in Contavious Street, David Onyemata, obviously, and uh, and Shy Tuttle. But 
Um, I think they'd, they'd prefer to have a, a four-man rotation there, or five even. Uh, so that's, that was you know, Ringo played 14 games for him last year, uh, started a bunch. So you know, he's somebody they, they have familiarity with. And, um, yeah, I would expect at some point this week we'll see Malcolm, Malcolm Roach goes on IR. Uh, and then the last one, uh, Pete Werner. Um, he's one I'm, I really don't know about. You know, that, that's it's it's concerning for, for him to miss time with the same injury twice in training camp. Um, he's been back out there, but you know, it's 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 like you just you just don't know. Um, you just don't know if he's going to be ready for week one. Uh, he said yesterday that like he's he feels good about it. He's doing everything he can to be out there, but. Um, yeah, that's that's something that that you know, obviously they need to be fully healed, right? If he injured it once and then aggravated it again a couple of weeks later, um, you, you want it to be exactly where it needs to be and not have him go out there before he's ready and and have this be a, an, an issue he's dealing with all season. So because we're going into the season with Werner kind of banged up and hadn't been around for a while, are you surprised at what linebackers they kept and which ones they got rid of? Yeah, I was really surprised. Um, you know, honestly, that that told me when it happened. I was like, well, I guess Werner's okay because uh, they cut everybody who's who's you know filled in for him in training camp. Eric Wilson got some starters reps in training camp. They cut him. Nephi Sewell got some starters reps in training camp. They cut him. John Bossett got some starters reps in training camp. They cut him. And Chase Hansen got some starters reps in training camp. They cut him. And none of the guys they kept were guys who filled in at will linebacker while Pete Werner has been hurt. Um, that was bizarre. Yeah. But then, you know, I, a couple of those guys were, you know, were, were veterans and they were, you know, they didn't have to worry about them clearing waivers. They signed them back pretty quickly. Yeah. You know, Eric Wilson being one. Um, and then, uh, you know, Nephi Sewell and Chase Hansen both cleared waivers. They brought them back on the practice squad. So, you know, they ended up keeping three of those guys, um, it was just strange that they that they exposed all of them. Um, so, but but because, Luke, what what is the chance that well, Penning and Traquan and Roach will all be put on IR between now and a week from now, and then they could call two or three of those guys up? Yeah, I mean, I would say it's high that all three go on IR. Um, I, I mean, I've, I, <laughs> there's already a story in our in our our website. Um, ready to go for whenever they go on IR. I'm, I'm very confident that's going to be the case for all three. Um, so, um, Dwayne Washington? Well, he, they released him yesterday, um, but I think that's that's one of those things where it's kind of dependent on one of these, these pending moves. Right, uh, so he's one of the ones yeah, that will come through if that happened, and who do you think? I mean, it wouldn't shock me if both others are linebackers or no, or, or just one of them, linebackers. Um, well, you know, maybe they, they bring up a receiver, you know, I don't think they necessarily have to, because remember they can, they get to call up two players from their, from their practice squad, uh, for every week. Um, and they get to do that with any player twice in a season. Um, and they also get to protect a certain number of players in their practice squad. It's something they hadn't done previously under Sean Payton, but they might do it under Dennis Allen, I, you know, they've got a lot of different ways to control this. Um, so, you know, it might not necessarily be bringing guys from the practice squad up to the active roster. It might be something else. Um, but I do anticipate that at some point in the next 
couple days, they're going to have three spots open up on their on their 53. All right. Um, one more question. Do you feel better about Ruiz and Pete now than you did going into August camp? I feel better about Ruiz. Yeah, I think Pete just is what he is uh, at this point in his career. Um, I think he's a solid starting offensive guard who's going to give you four or five plays a game where you're just like, what just happened? Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I think as far as, like, coming back from the injury, I think he's he's there. He's, he's good to go. Um, you know, just considering his history, it's going to be something you have to keep an eye on or an eye on for – probably the entire season. Um, uh, but Cesar Ruiz, I, I think, I think being around Jari Evans has really helped him and being around Doug Marone has really helped him. Um, I don't necessarily think I'm ready to say he's, he's going to go out there and be a pro bowl player. Um, but I do think that, that he has taken a step forward as a player. Um, and he's you know not going to have quite so many of those, those moments where, where you just wonder if maybe the Saints blew a draft pick, <laughs> you know. I think he's going to be a, a functioning member of that offensive line, um, and, and this offseason has been really, really helpful for him just having those guys around. Well, um, again, uh, I, I think I'm sure you've been having to do some damage control with people calling you. Everything that you said on Chauncey Garner-Johnson makes sense, and we'll just – sounds like uh, Paulson Adebo and Pete Werner are the two big worry things over the next week and a half. Yeah, yeah, those are the two I'm really worried about right now. And, and uh, you know, maybe for better or for worse, they're going up against the, the Falcons, who they're pretty familiar with. Um, and, you know, they don't have a ton of skill position players on offense that, that really worry you. Um, but you, you want to get those guys healthy because they're going to be super, super important to what this team does throughout the season. All right, sir. I always appreciate your time very much. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. Talk to Take you. care. Kevin. Luke Johnson. You see, everything was calm. No, everything he said made total sense. Uh, of course, my heart dropped when because Paulson Adebo was not really on my radar of concern. And so uh, he's my, you know, might be my favorite player on the whole team. And so we need not that not to be the case. We'll take a timeout, come back, finish out the first hour next on the game. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Man, I hope Luke is right about some things and too concerned about things in other areas. Paulson Adebo doesn't play, not going to be a happy camper. Pete Werner doesn't play, not going to be a happy camper. But we'll see how those go. This extra week is certainly helping them. From an injury standpoint, I think, like what he had to say about Troutman, we'll see how that plays out. Like what he had to say about Ruiz, uh, you know, we, you don't need him to be Jari Evans. It should, you just need him to be good and solid, and hopefully um, he, he does that. Um, he sounds like he thinks, like, you know, most people are speculating that um, – Traquan will go on IR. The Malcolm Roach thing, not real excited about that, but I, you're still just talking about a backup. So, you know, Street seemed like a good signing. He was probably, was he like the first offseason signing? I think that kind of went under the radar. And he's been solid for him. 
And, and Christian Ringo, former Cajun, if you had not heard, uh, was signed yesterday to the practice squad, and he was on the team and played a lot of games last year. So sounds like they did that so they could call him up to be a backup and fill in that spot for Malcolm Roach. So we'll see how that plays out. Good to hear that it sounds like Davenport is in a – Davenport is in a good – um a good place injury-wise. Looking forward to him making a lot of big plays. And um, and he seems way more confident than you and than me and probably most of you about the offensive tackle situation. I, I kind of, you know, it seemed like all along they like Landon Young. Man, I'd feel much more comfortable if they went out and picked up another tackle. But Luke didn't seem to think that was going to happen. So... I wish they'd pick an offensive tackle and a running back, but I'm starting to get the feeling neither one is going to happen. They just want to drive me crazy. That'll do it for the first hour. Another hour to follow on the game. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome Back to footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. The game hotline is 706-0111. 706-0111. If you would like to get in, this is the time to do it. Um, if you have any reaction to anything Luke said about the Saints or you want to talk about Cajun football, we talked a little bit about the Cajun depth chart. That was released yesterday going into Saturday's season opener against Southeastern. And a couple of interesting things, and if you want to comment on any of those, certainly feel free to do that. Again, this is the time to do it if you want to call in today. We'll be speaking fantasy football with the guru in the next segment and then talking to first-year Ascension Episcopal head coach Stephen Heron in the, um, in the segment after that. So, High school football again opens tonight. Four games involving the Cadiana area teams. We've got uh, Southside, which you can hear right here, that game. Mustang 107-1 with Matt Miguez and Stevie P on the call. And so um, they will be playing the Notre Dame Pios at Cecilia High School. Northside tonight is hosting Northwest in its season opener. The Beauchene Gators will be tra- making not too long of a trip over to, to Rain to, to play the Wolves and Lafayette Highs on the road against HL Bourgeois to open its season. So four games involved that we know of. Uh, please, if you know of another game where a game was moved from Friday to Thursday, or it wouldn't be the worst thing decision to make because um, supposedly – it's going to be good weather tonight, and tomorrow is not going to be good weather. So see how all of that um, plays out. Um, Major League Baseball, certainly, if you would like to discuss that, we could. Uh, you could do that as well. The Mets did get a win last night over the Dodgers with DeGrom pitching. can only imagine the complete mess that must have been um, last night in New York where um, – 
the Mets were playing and the U.S. Open was going on, and it's all in the same general area is my understanding. And so I, I can't. There is no way I would want to go to any of those, you know, either one of those that I just hate traffic. I just hate it, and especially just a glut like that. Had to be a complete nightmare in New York. It seemed like they could, I don't know, U.S. Open goes on so long. I guess baseball can't worry about it that much. But, man, that is just awful. Again, uh, the game hotline, if you would like to discuss any of it in this segment, uh, is 706-0111. I mentioned the Cajun depth chart that was released, and we talked about a few of of the, I don't know, I guess you'd say surprises. Um, Jacob Bernard is listed as a starter, and I, you know, they call it the H, the the, the slot inside receiver. And uh, Michael Jefferson and X are not not a surprise at all, and Peter LeBlanc is not a surprise. But I, I think most fans probably wouldn't have guessed Jacob Bernard, but if. As we went through press conferences over the course of of August, Coach um, Des kind of spoke pretty highly of Jacob in several instances. So it didn't come as a complete shock. But uh, I don't know that a lot of people had him penciled in as a starter, but that's what the depth chart says, and we'll see. Of course, that's one of those rotation positions like I was talking earlier at doesn't really matter to me who starts. It really matters who makes the big catches in the big moments. So we'll see how that plays out. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Good morning, Foot. Good morning, sir. Uh, yeah, it's, it's the morning, all right. Look, how'd how, how that question. West Coast trip go for you? Not good, not good. Yeah. The little MVPs. <laughs> the little yeah. MVPs. But, but – we not worried. I'm oh, I'm like, worried because I got to face the little MVPs this weekend. All of a sudden, they pitching great. Yeah, because you've been ragging them down. The you little MVPs, they've been playing well. I gotta I gotta give them some credit. Yeah. I hope I hope the Astros don't get swept. I hope they get swept. Oh no, I hope they don't get swept. <laughs> long as y'all keep holding that field advantage, I'm okay. You know what I mean? We win, y'all lose. Whatever it takes, as long as we get the playoffs. Y'all going to lose before we play y'all in the playoffs. So I'm happy with that. You know, that's a win for me. I told you this, but one thing about us Yankee fans, we don't panic. Mm-hmm. We don't panic. We see what is going on here. Injuries, we're not healthy. We I mean, we got 27 chips. We never panic. We never work. Well, we'll see. We win. We're the Yankees. You just better, you better get down and, and thank Josh Donaldson for hitting that grand slam or you'd be a wild card. <laughs> I saw y'all had an injury. The guy, um, Vandler, whatever his name is. Yeah, Verlander's on the IL, but but but, but, but uh, suppose he I, says he's going to be back. So all that matters is the don't. playoffs. I hope you don't. I hope I too be get hurt. And the oh, juice, the man, that was really the man is hoping, hurt, wishing people for playoffs. people to get hurt. Huh? The man is wishing for people to get hurt. I thought you. Oh, yeah, I thought I you do. weren't I panicking. Why are you wishing for people to get hurt? Because they're a threat. Oh, okay. They're not on my team. Okay. <laughs> Got to take the threat out, Foot. Okay. But look, Foot, this is what I called you about. Me and a buddy of mine was on the phone late last night having this debate. Now, I need your honest opinion. Now, I'm a Deuce McAllister fan, Pierre Thomas, but not a Bush, Reggie Bush fan. Now, is Kareem Hutt better than any one of them? Uh... So which one? 
Because he thinks Kareem Hunt is better than Red. I mean, he thinks Reggie Bush is better than Kareem Hunt. Well, they're different players. I mean, Reggie's a third down back. I mean, uh, not even that. Reggie Reggie was great at being a third down. Reggie got a lot of first downs. See, I learned in the Reggie Bush era that that Saints fans did not do not like getting first downs. I was shocked by that because I, I always thought first downs were good things. And I learned in the Reggie Bush era that Saints fans, most Saints fans, don't really like getting first downs as much as I did. I loved it. I love getting first downs. Well, I but, like um, him first down, he moved the chains, but I don't exactly. see where he was really productive. No, I think he was. I think Reggie was really good. I, well, again, I, I, I mean, Kareem Hunt's more of a meat and potatoes guy. Could run between the tackles and catch. So no, I guess I'd have to put him like higher on the total pole. Yeah. Okay. My my thing was me personally. I think Deuce was better. I think he was better than. I think Kareem was bet by a, a, a small edge than Pierre. We didn't really get to see Pierre really run yeah, and get the I, ball I, like Deuce. Right. No, but I think he was way better by a landslide than Reggie. Now, Di- me, I told him, players. I said, I think if we, if Jim Hasley wouldn't have used up Deuce by the time Sean got him, the quitter, let me say that, Lord, have mercy. I can't believe it. And I believe if, because he got injured twice, yes. and Drew Brees threw that stupid pass and ended his career, I believe Deuce could have been a Hall of Famer. I think Pierre would have been a real just complimentary running back to the team. I, that's just my opinion. I wanted to hear your opinion. Yeah, on no, it, I, I like all those guys. I love them. I love them. I, 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 I like them. first downs. I like, you know, Deuce is probably my second favorite Saint ever. And so I, I love him. Okay. I just wanted to hear your opinion because I know he listens. All right. All right. All right. All right. Thanks. Take it easy, foot. Go Yankees. Let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, Kevin. Howdy. Um, when you have the uh, guru on next segment, uh, can you ask him about a couple of players? Yes. Uh, so I want to know about uh, Travis Etienne. Oh, he loves like, him. Oh, he loves him. Oh, he loves him. I, I think, yeah, I think that he might end up being like one of the steals, and like uh, the James Robinson as well. You know, the the backup running back for the Jaguars, or he hates him. You know, he hates him. <laughs> All right. I love thing, him. Uh, he hates him. We'll, we'll, we'll definitely discuss that situation. I really think Robinson's going to end up being the runner, and Etienne's going to be the you know the the pass catcher, the, the third down yeah, back. Yeah. And I, I think they're both going to play a lot. We'll see how it works out. And just one more. And uh, uh, Jerry Judy, does he think that he'll bounce back from you know? I mean, he, he has to go up from last year, but you know. Hopefully, yeah. I mean, hopefully he'll learn. He learn. He's learned how to catch a pass over the week, over the off season. Yeah. Okay. That's a, Seemed like he should have learned that at Alabama, but apparently he did. Like, yeah. Uh, you know, Nick Saban's good at teaching. Yeah. You know, um, anyway. Seemed like Mark. Mark. <laughs> seemed like. Mark thank Ingram. you. Yeah. Mark Ingram should have learned oh. how to break a tackle, but it took three years in the NFL before he did that. You know, people were talking about uh, that running back from San Francisco that played Ohio State. They got released recently. Yeah. Trey Sermon. Being an option they get picked up. What you think about him? Uh, I don't, I'm not interested in a rookie. We already got those. I yeah. need a veteran. Well, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. I don't know. It's just funny as Ohio State ties and it, it instantly. Ties well, you know, again, Ohio State ties is a different issue. That that's an interesting yeah. point. Yes, sir. All right, Kevin. Thank you. Thank you. Oh no. Um, you know, even Luke was kind of intrigued by some of the veterans who were released. 
Um, I don't get the Trey Sermon thing. I, you know, I mean, I obviously saw him in college and never see him practice. So obviously, there's something that 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 he's lacked uh, in that situation, and. Obviously, it's good for Elijah Mitchell. A little less competition, I guess, and, and, and clear cut that he, you know he's beating them out. And they've always been kind of a running back by committee. So I'm surprised they, you know, they kind of cut from the committee. But you know, maybe it's blocking a lot of you. You got to be able to block. And if you notice, we talk about that all summer. Saints need to pick up someone. And my one of my first questions was, or statements were, I just don't know. I think this guy can catch. I think he can run pretty good. I just don't know if he can block. And if you and if you struggle with the blocking side, a lot of coaches just don't even want to deal with you as a running back. I mean, you might be able to run and you might have good hands, but if you can't pick up blitzes, hmm, serious liability. And so they just won't go down that road. That's just the way it is. All right, let's do this. We will take a timeout, come back, and David brought up the guru. We'll get the guru on, talk a little fantasy football. Uh, I had our draft early, which I don't really lie. I hate doing early drives drafts, and I've already kind of got burned with that. But I'm sure the wise people haven't had their drafts yet, and that's going to be taking place this weekend. And so we'll um, discuss some more Fantasy football with the guru next on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Are you fluent in footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the footlish dictionary. Benedict Arnold's. Benedict Arnold's. Now, an NFL expansion team that stole a bunch of Saints players and coaches when first created, also known as the Carolina Panthers. Now, back to the man with his very own language. Kevin Foote and Footnotes. Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin Foote. On the game, want to remind you about Astro Giveaway 5. Astros will be playing the Rays. Could be a huge game for the Rays and potentially for the Astros, depending on what happens in the month of September. Saturday, October the 1st, Astros versus Rays. If you would like to win four tickets, hotel accommodations, and a tour of Minute Maid Park, you first have to sign up for the game Rewards Club. And if you do... You could win the great prize, Astro Weekend Getaway, powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, La Meridian Houston downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Not the best time to be playing the Rays. Um, and, you know, I kind of wish the Astros would have played them a little early in the season, but we'll see how that plays out. All right, we have with us the guru. How are you, sir? Hey, good morning, Kevin. Uh, yeah, doing pretty good, man. Just uh, finishing up with got a month or so left of baseball, and then well, uh, football too. Gonna have that fun overlap period. Can't wait. <laughs> All right. So, how many drafts do you personally have left to do? Only three more. You know, not too many more. Got he's only done sixty-five, done and he's got so, three more. Still got a yeah. few left over. Yeah. <laughs> I hate early drafts, and 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 and. 
you know, when you have injuries, you, you, you regret doing early drafts. And when you have situations like running backs where things happen, you know, players get shot and stuff like that. So let's start with that. Like uh, the Brian Robinson situation, we talked last week about Antonio Gibson supposedly dropping to third string running back and, and kick returner. And so, you know, what in the world to think about with the uh, commander situation and now Brian Robinson gets shot. So, like, w- w- how would you deal with that fantasy-wise and in, in your drafts that you have left? Yeah, it's a tricky situation because the timetable on Brian Robinson is very unclear. He was recently put on IR, but not the season-ending IR, just the one where he's got to miss a minimum of four weeks. So, uh, so it makes to me it makes it to where now I would I would take Robinson late. You know, I think Gibson's average draft position going to go up obviously until be guaranteed to start the first month, but. I think once Robinson comes back, there's a good chance he reclaims the job because he was all looking like he was on track to win it before he got shot. So I'm, I'm, I'm not at all out on Robinson because if, if anything, he's a good value late because then you can. I know most leagues have an IR spot. You can stash him on your IR spot until he's ready to come back, and then when he comes back, you know, see how he does, see if he can take back the job. Another very tricky, and it always seems tricky, running back situation is the Baltimore Ravens. So, yeah. um, uh, you know, Dobbins, you know, got hurt, and they were saying good stuff. And then for a guy who's coming off an injury, and then now they're saying he's not going to be ready, that just it's just kind of a red flag situation. And, uh, you know, I wanted the Saints to pick Drake, and he went there. So how, how do you kind of make heads or tails in a Ravens situation? Yeah, very much a red flag for Dobbins. I made sure to avoid him in all my leagues this year. I haven't drafted him because I feel like he's going to get off to a very slow start. Might even miss the first week or two to where I just I just don't trust him. And then he's coming off of a major knee injury. Could be more susceptible to more injuries as a result of that. A lot of times guys coming off major injuries end up with some other nagging injury the year after. So I, uh, I wouldn't trust Dobbins. Early on, I'd probably say Mike Davis would be the, the one to have, but then Kenyon Drake's there now, too, so that muddies up the backfield. Gus the Bus Edwards, he's out, though, at least the first four weeks, so it makes it to where it's probably going to either be Dobbins or Davis on early down, so probably Davis at first, so maybe you could roster him early on, but the way he looked so bad in Atlanta last year, I doubt he'll do that great, and then Drake will be there probably for third down pass catching situations and the Ravens don't throw to their backs a whole lot so I doubt he'll contribute much so if the running game never really gets going who been is that a Rashad Bateman situation where he might get a little more or is it just an Andrews is the guy who benefits from that you think well, I think both. You know, I think the, in Lamar Jackson, too, that he's going to be forced to throw more. It'll be kind of like like they didn't want it to be like this, but they're going to end up, if Dobbins in right, they're going to have to do more like they did last year and kind of abandon the run and have to throw it. With that, that that hurts them in real life, I feel like. you know, I, I think now that makes it to where the, the Bengals or she, maybe even the Steelers or Browns would take the division from them again. But uh, I think they're uh, – you know, for fantasy, it's, it's great news because, you know, Lamar's going to have to throw more. And as a result, Bateman and Andrews should be more productive. 
All right, another running back situation. Uh, a lot of people were high on Cook in Buffalo, but do you think that Singletary is going to end up, you know, at least getting the same role as he did last year, or how do you read that? Yeah, I think for at least the first half or so, Singletary is going to be the, the lead runner over there. I would, I would think, you know, because I don't see Cook. Cook wasn't even the lead runner in college. I mean, Zamir White was the lead runner in Georgia. Cook was more the receiving back. So I think early on, Cook will just be more of a third down back. Maybe as the year goes on, he'll see more carries. But yeah, to start out, I would I would say Singletary would be the one on the roster, but Cook's a good bench stash, so I think he's someone you can keep him on your bench, and he might chip in a few receptions here and there early on, but, you know, Singletary's not impressed, so I'm thinking that Cook could eventually take the lead role from him. All right. Um, David called and wanted me to ask you about the Jacksonville situation. I think they're both good backs, and – he was asking about Etienne, and I said, oh, the man loves Etienne. I mean, if he oh, could, yeah. he'd pick him in the yeah. first round. But um, so how do you really – I mean, has anything changed in, in what you think is going to happen? I mean, the only thing that could change, I guess, is what is James Robinson's health situation? Right, yeah, I'm thinking James Robinson has been so far so good as far as him being ready. I don't think, though, he'll be ready – for a full workload, and then that's why I'm really high on Etienne because I think he'll, at least for the first month or so, be the lead back. And assuming he does well in that role, which I think he will, I don't see where he'd lose that role. I don't see where they gave be like, oh, we got to go back to James Robinson, you know, unless Etienne doesn't perform. But I think he's going to perform very well. He performed in college. You know, he's got Trevor Lawrence alongside him. He's college quarterback, so he's going to get – be targeted heavily, great for PPR leagues, and should see enough carries to be, I'm thinking, a top 10 running back this year. All right, so Trey Sermon got released. Obviously, he has not impressed them. Um, what do you think of Elijah Mitchell, Jeff Wilson situation? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's good news for Eli. You know, he should once again be the lead back. Not a whole lot of competition there. They, they, they do have the, uh, Ty Davis Price now, a rookie from LSU, so he might work in here and there. But I still think it'll be Eli's role. The only issue with Eli is the injury history. I mean, he picked up a lot of injuries last year, a little nagging injuries, dealing with a nagging hamstring in camp. But I'm thinking as long as he's healthy, you know, the former Raven Cage and Elijah Mitchell is going to eat and eat well once again, and I like him. It's like if you can get him at a value in draft because he's, a lot of people aren't believing in him being that he was a, a sixth-round pick and all that, but I think he's the real deal, and he definitely has the trust of, of Kyle Shanahan there in San Francisco. So I, I like him as, a, as like a second or third running back. All right, the Broncos this morning announced a five-year, $245 million contract extension with quarterback Russell Wilson. Um, Tim Patrick's out for the year with a preseason injury. And so are you thinking Judy's going to have a breakout year or do you think Cortland Sutton's going to have kind of his second breakout year? How, How do you see that working there in Denver? Yeah, I think they'll both do pretty well, you know, because they have Tim Patrick. They'll, they'll, those are the, they'll kind of be like Metcalf and Lockett, I feel like, where Russell hyper-target both of them. But I'm thinking Judy's the one that's really going to break out. I'm not as high on Sutton. Sutton really 
tailed off last year down the stretch. I know a lot of that had to do with poor quarterback play, but I'm just I just feel like Judy's a superior talent. I mean, I think the talent is going to win out there. Judy's going to end up the by far the number one option. A lot of people have Sutton ranked over him, which I think is crazy. I'm definitely going Judy. I know he's had a lot of injuries and dealt with drops over the past couple of years, but I'm thinking this is the year he puts it all together and has a breakthrough season with, with Russell Wilson at QB. Have you figured out yet, uh, as you've done all these drafts, your, who to take and who not to take in terms of wide receivers for the Chiefs and the Packers? Oh, man. Yeah, I would say for the Chiefs, you know, uh, Juju, Juju Smith-Schuster is on the target. If he can get him at a reasonable price, a lot of times he tends to get overdrafted in that he's on the Chiefs now. But he's definitely the one I feel somewhat okay about. The rest of them I'm not messing with. You know, Sky Moore, Marcus Vodas-Cantley, Nico Hardman. Yeah, you can get them pretty late, but I feel like they're all going to be roller coaster rides to where unless you can get them in basically the last round, I usually – Stay away, and as for Green Bay, you know I kind of like the uh, Romeo Dobbs, the rookie. I like taking a chance on him late, where the rest of them I just oh yeah, and Alan Lazard. You know, we can get Alan Lazard at a reasonable price. I think I think him and Dobbs will be somewhat reliable. It's just tough to know because I mean, it's just tough to know who Aaron Rodgers is going to trust. I definitely wouldn't trust the Sammy Watkins or Randall Cobb, and then maybe the rookie Christian Watson late. But even him, I don't. He didn't get much, you know, rapport with Rodgers in camp because he was hurt. Uh, at least early on, I'd, I'd prefer Dobbs over Watson as far as the rookies there. Again, we're speaking with the guru, Spencer Urquhart, talking about fantasy football. Now, I saw Traylon Burks caught a touchdown pass in the last preseason games. Did he? Do, do you feel like he's kind of become where he, he could be an option or – is that Titans passing game just look it looks right now just like a complete mess. Yeah, it's very rough, you know. And I think, yeah, Robert Woods is gonna be the one to have early on. But I'm thinking as the year goes on, you know, kinda like when AJ Brown was a rookie, he had a big second half. So where Burks is somebody keep an eye on him, you know, maybe stash him if he can afford to have a spot on your bench. But even if not, you know, keep a close eye on him because he's very talented. So where if he starts to see more of a role there then He'll, he'll be worth having because he's somebody that they drafted him high for a reason. And, you know, I'm not that high on him right now, but he's just he's one of those, you know, all these rookies, you know, you just got to monitor their stock and and see how they progress. Because if they, once they get a big role there a lot of times, then it's in there a lot of times worth uh, not just a bench spot, but a starting spot. So, yeah, definitely keep an eye, close eye on Burks. He's got the ability. All right, you mentioned Brown. A.J. Brown, Marquise Brown, new teams. Have you gained any kind of a hunch through not not so much the preseason games but just camps overall that how, how high can you pick those two in, in terms of what can realistically be expected from them with new teams? Yeah, I think they should both go pretty high, especially A.J. Brown. I don't see his – numbers tailing off at all. If anything, I think they might go up in Philly because I think they'll, uh, they'll definitely target him heavily. And they're just, you know, their running game's not all that great. Tennessee, of course, they're with Derek Henry. Is just, I mean, they're never going to be pro first as long as they have him. Well, with Philly, it's like they, they, they want Jalen Hurts to air it out more this year. And where I'm thinking A.J. Brown has a big year. I'd take him as high as the third round. And then Marquise Brown, I think, will – 
do really well early with DeAndre Hopkins suspended. And even when Hopkins comes back, I see Brown doing pretty well to every and that's another high volume pass team in Arizona. So I would take him as high as the probably the maybe the late fourth. I don't know quite definitely the fifth though for, for Hollywood. All right. One more scenario. I keep hearing and and it's one of the teams that I haven't figured out yet what my expectations for them are, but I keep hearing this from different people. Watch out for the Minnesota Vikings because Zimmer's not the coach there anymore. Kirk Cousins is strange, and he hated the coach, and the coach hated him. And now that Zimmer's no longer there, I keep hearing, watch out for the Minnesota Vikings. So from a fantasy standpoint, what could that mean? Yeah, I think that's great news from a fantasy standpoint because their new coach, Kevin O'Connell, stands to be much more friendly for fantasy and that they should throw it more. Kirk Cousins should have a really nice year, making him a great value late. For those that want to wait on their quarterback, Alvin Cook should be in for a big year, especially if they you – know, we got to stay healthy, but they're – you know, talking about trading Alexander Madison potentially to where they like, you know, Cook. I mean, not that Madison really hurts Cook, but that tells me they're really confident in Cook, the fact that they're thinking about trading Madison. And then Justin Jefferson, I think, is in line to have a, a humongous season. I think he's going to be the overall number one receiver this year. I'm really high on him, and Thielen should still be pretty good. And K.J. Osborne, Irv Smith, they, they've got all the pieces, so I think they'll – as long as Kirk Cousins doesn't totally screw it up, I think they'll they'll be one of the elite offenses. All right, Guru, appreciate your um, your insight. Well, good luck in the rest of your drafts, and we'll see um, if we get any more injuries for these early draft people like me. Uh, <laughs> we'll see how it all plays out. Have a nice day. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Kevin. All right, Spencer Urquhart, the Guru. Man, I can't even imagine all the drafts he's done. He's got oh, he's just got three more. You know, some of us just do one or two overall. He does like twelve. Unbelievable. We'll take a timeout. Come back, shift gears to high school football. Talk to Ascension Episcopal head coach Stephen Heron next on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. A recent survey discovered that game listeners prefer our station than going to the dentist. Take that, dental hygiene. This is The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on The Game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. We have with us... Ascension Episcopal head football coach Stephen Heron. How are you, sir? Hello? Hello. Hey. Can you hear me? Yes, sir, I can. Okay, sorry. No problem. How is the rain treating you? I'm sure there's a lot of football coaches around South Louisiana saying, I think I've had a little enough rain of late. Well, it's actually been pretty kind to us uh, in the last week or so. We wound up getting a good downpour last Friday over here. And uh, really, since then, we've dodged a lot. Uh, I know they caught a bunch. We played Abbeville last night in JV, and uh, that was almost a loss because they wound up catching a bunch of rain Tuesday night. But uh, we've gotten pretty lucky. We had a little bit of a drizzle like midweek. 
Uh, but, uh, you know, our, our field needed some dry weather. We tore it up pretty good a couple weeks ago with our, uh, our scrimmage against Z-Rats. So uh, it's bounced back uh, a lot since then. So we, we've actually gotten pretty lucky. All right, so tell me about your jamboree and uh, kind of what were your, you know, the goals or you were hoping, or were there certain areas or position about I mean, What were you trying to achieve in a jamboree and how did it go? I mean, uh, first goal number one was staying healthy, getting out of it, at, you know, without a, uh, an injury. And uh, it was uh, two weeks in a row we were playing on a pretty, pretty uh, you know, torn up field. Our, our scrimmage, like I said, was we tore it up pretty good. And then we were the third game of three last week with our with our jamboree over at uh at westminster and um so we we were playing on a pretty rough surface over there too so that goal number one was getting out of there healthy uh then you know seeing if we could execute uh which i think we we did a good job at times and and you know we every once in a while we'd shoot ourselves in the foot you know with uh you know not whether it was not being able to control the snap or you know missing a block here there offensively defensively you know we had some lapses where you know missed tackles where we let you know, two-yard gains, you know, we, I think that their their only touchdown was, uh, I think, about a 50-yard run where, you know, we had uh, maybe 11 chances to tackle the running back and didn't do it. So, um, you know, getting better at those things, I felt, you know, I know uh, I challenged our defensive backs uh, after the scrimmage to, to be able to do a better job tackling in space because I knew, especially with our non-district schedule coming up, that's something we're going to have to be able to do. Uh, and we, we did a much better job at that. I thought our offensive line, uh, our offensive line may be our most most improved group in the last month. Um, you, you know they're doing a good job. Uh, you know uh, run blocking, especially pass pro, is really good. Um, you know so you know those things, tackling, blocking, you know being aggressive at the point of attack, being able to take on a blocker with physicality, tackling with physicality. You know running through if you, you you're getting tackled, being able to run run our feet and, and deliver a blow. So those were all the you know all the little things were really what I was looking for in the last couple of weeks, and I think we've improved. You know, you have a lot of veteran coaches on your staff, and yet a lot of them are in different roles. So how important was the Jamboree just for the logistics of game night and how to handle everything from a coach's standpoint? Oh, it was, it was incredibly important, uh, especially, we, you know, we've got a smaller staff. I've got to, I, I'm really lucky to have those veteran guys in place, uh, you know, be able to lean on them for advice. But we've only got six coaches this year, so uh, you know, for us, we're, we're we're double and triple duty on the sideline. You know, whether it's making sure we have uh, special team subs being done correctly, um, you know, so there's a, there's a lot of things, a lot of different parts, uh, moving parts on the sideline this year than we've had in the last couple of years. So that that was really important because we definitely got to see what we did well, and we also got to see what we didn't do very well last week. You know, as far as those uh, just the uh, just the logistical things, you know, running the sideline. So, uh, you know, those are things that I think we are hopefully going to get a week better with this week. Uh, again, we're speaking with Ascension Episcopal head football coach Stephen Heron. So, with a new offensive coordinator, you know, Coach Dez, who used to be the head coach at Ascension, he's commented that, you know, just different personalities, you're going to call things just a little bit differently. Not that anything may not be drastically different. So, how have y'all have you know how is that process going with coach DiMaggio now being the offensive coordinator in terms of you know establishing a little bit of a new identity on offense I I think it's good and I think that's right on the money I mean you could have the same system you have 10 different guys running it and you're going to have a little bit different you know 10 different personalities for sure so you know I think there's uh 
you know, there's a lot of consistency between Matt and, and Jay. You know, both those guys want to be able to establish a run game, you know, use our passing game to be able to open up our run game. So I think there's some similarities there, you know, but Jay, you know, Jay's definitely going to want to, uh, you know, be able to establish our run game and be able to use that to open up our, our passing game. Um, so I think that that's, you know, a definite part of, of Jay's personality as a play caller. Um, how much did you have to do with the, with scheduling your pre-district games? <laughs> uh, no, no, zero. I, I, uh, <laughs> other than, you know, we had a few options, you know, and Matt, when we had, when we, the options presented themselves, you know, he would ask us what we thought, but, uh, I, I didn't make our, make our schedule. And, uh, you know, one of the difficult things with having a small district, you know, it's nice. Uh, when you have an eight-team district, you only you only have to go look for a few games. We we went down to a six-team district, which means you have to find five non-district games. You know, so that can be a difficult thing to go and find uh, go and find you know teams that are that are willing to play you, and then you have off off weeks that match up. So yeah, I uh, I didn't really have uh, a hand in making the schedule this time around. Plaquemine, you know, that's a team that has played St. Thomas Moore for quite a for mm-hmm. quite a while, and. It just seems like a, a, a strange matchup. Tell us about what you've learned of them. I mean, they're normally pretty athletic. Uh, they are normally pretty pretty athletic, and they are still pretty athletic. Uh, so, you know, they've uh, – I think uh, – I don't know where their numbers were last year. I don't think they had a, that had a big roster last year. I think they've got about 80 kids on the roster this year, so I know that that's somewhere that they've improved. But just on, the, on film, they're, they're physical, they're fast. You know they're good in a lot of places, so uh, you know we're going to have to uh, we're going to have to be able to to match their physicality. We're going to have to be able to do the little things well. You know whether it's uh, you know win the turnover battle, um, you know and those kinds of things. That that that's really you know what we're looking at. And not only this week, just really the rest of, rest of non district. We're going to have to be able to be the team that does the little things well. All right. So is in a matchup like this, is your concern more in the trenches or tackling in space? I would say both. Uh, you know, it depends on what the game ends up looking like. I know the, the field conditions, the weather tomorrow is going to dictate what offenses are going to be able to do. You know, if we end up getting rain at game time, it may turn into, uh, you, know, you know, two backs, two tight ends, and we're going to have to be able to dig in in the trenches and, and take on blocks and, and make tackles there. If we get a dry field, dry football, then we end up getting spread out. You have to tackle in space. So, you know, we have to be able to do what, what, uh, what, the, what the game ends up dictating. So who's the resident meteorologist on y'all staff? Uh, I think anytime you say you say resident anything, Scott McCullough usually fits into those roles. So I think he'll uh, he'll he'll probably let us know what the weather's going to do probably about twenty times between uh, today and tomorrow. Uh, I, you know, Jay checks the weather pretty often. I think honestly, I'm I probably check the weather the least out of everybody. Uh, you know, it's going to end up doing what it does around game time. Defensively, I would like, uh, honestly, I'd like a, a really sloppy wet field if we can get it. Uh, <laughs> well, you got two old baseball coaches there. You got, right, you got two old baseball coaches there, so they're used to checking weather. That's all they do in the springtime is check weather. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, yeah, so they're, they're going to do a good job of doing that. And like I said, uh, I'll be fine if we end up getting some rain and it's a little, a little floppy. So the power, you're confident with the O-line and the power running game if, if that's what you have to lean on? Yeah, if we do. And, and I know, uh, you know, we, you and I had talked a couple weeks ago when you came by for our, 
our preview, and you know, we talked about the fact that we're going to have some guys pulling double duty offensively and dis- defensively. So I know, you know, if we're going to be running the ball, we're going to have those those you know safeties on the field, you know, playing running back. So I know that we have to be able to do. We're going to have to be able to pass the ball and, and take some pressure off of our running game too. But uh, you know, I, I feel like where we are right now, offensively, I think we can we can run the ball effectively uh, to. to to be able to, to, to support that, that passing game. And you got a big tight end that you plan on playing a little more, and so that helps in that scenario as well. Exactly, yeah. Cole Colligan is going to be a big part of what we do this year, and he's uh, it's amazing how much he's grown in the last couple of years. But, yeah, he's uh, he's somebody that, that uh, he's, doing, he's done a great job, done a great job in the weight room over the, the spring and the summertime, and, and he's going to give us a little bit of versatility at, at tight end to be able to run block, and he's also a guy we can move around, do different things with, flex him, and, and create some, hopefully, some matchup problems. All righty, sir. We appreciate your time as always. Good luck to y'all. And uh, 7 o'clock tomorrow to, in Youngsville, Plaquemine at Ascension. It's a good – Kevin Dodson's not – and Percy Butler doesn't play for him anymore or A.J. Riley. <laughs> so I guess you don't have to worry about them. No, not not this week. <laughs> All right. Good luck, <laughs> right, coach. Take thank care. I appreciate it. Stephen Heron, nice guy. He's really uh, he's become you know C- Coach Matt Desermo decided you know he, he was going to go to Catholic High and get into administration and get out of coaching and happened fairly late in the spring and they had a lot of veteran coaches but they decided to name Stephen Coach Heron the head coach and. We'll see how things go there. They're normally pretty consistent at Ascension. They have been over the years and uh, got good talent. It's always just an issue. Do they have enough numbers? And that battle will be fought again tomorrow night against a larger school in Plaquemine and for sure. As he said, they got 80-something players. So Ascension does not have 80-something players. I assure you of that. So we'll take a timeout, come back, finish out today's show next on The Game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Want to remind you, the game clubhouse, you need to join it by going to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. You could win a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou, a $50 gift certificate to Acadiana Bar and Grill, or maybe a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. All kind of other prizes, including Astro tickets as well. You will not be eligible for if you don't join the Game Clubhouse. So do that. Do so today by going to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So sign up today. So. Covered a lot of different areas, fantasy football, the Saints, high school football. We talked Cajun football a little bit with the um, release of the depth chart yesterday and some of the interesting things there. Um, Injury-wise for the Cajuns, Jaquan Nelson sounds like he's going to be able to play. Um, Marcus Weiser, apparently junior college signee, um, sophomore, 6'1", 290, um, is listed as the starter, and Jaquan is the backup. So, you know, they're trying to replace Taylor Humphrey, who was a guy, a little bit of a project that the Cajuns took a chance on, and he really came up big for him. And now he, he had injury concerns. I don't know how much practicing he did, but um, 
you know, during the weeks over the last year or so, but he was in a dynamic run stopper for the Cajuns and really hard to move. And, you know, these guys are not as big, but, but they, you know, they've got a role to play. And so we'll see, you know, what Marcus Weiser and what ja- and Jaquan Nelson, what they're able to do. Uh, Kendry Gant hurt himself in the second practice. Sa- linebacker, one of the backup inside linebackers behind Chris Moncrief and Jordan Quibido who are experienced players taking over for Farad Gardner, who got named to the practice squad, and um, and Lorenzo McCaskill, who entered the transfer portal, and he ended up at Kansas. Uh, I don't know how good of a move that's going to end up being. Well, I guess time will tell there. But um, but uh, Gant is a guy that got hurt, sounds like, from Coach Dez yesterday. He won't be out maybe as long as they originally feared. He decided that he wants to play. You know, it, it's it's iffy. When you get an injury early in the season like this, or in this case, the preseason, it's like, do you want to just have some sort of surgery or would you rather just maybe play a little banged up and try to play? And according to Coach Dez, uh, Kendry decided he wants to play. And I don't expect it to see him on the field this weekend, but maybe in a week or two after that. So we'll see uh, how that plays out. If you did not hear, starting cornerback Trey Amos will not be playing in this game. Uh, according to Coach Dez yesterday, he had been battling uh, an ankle and no um, pulled hamstring, if I remember correctly. No, it was not an ankle. And, and you know, they want to make sure he's healthy. Too big a portion, and they feel like they have good enough depth there. So we'll see how. That plays out and get some playing time. Uh, you know, Keon Martin is a transfer from Youngstown State that they got in the offseason. He's more of the other side corner, but might have to do it. They got Amir McDaniel is going to be getting a lot more playing time, and he seems like he's ready for that. So covered a lot today. Appreciate all of our guests and, and a few phone calls that we're able to take. Y'all have a nice day.